Welcome to Community in Arabic, a podcast show sponsored by Lipton Yellow Label. We'll be chatting with successful Arabs in the U.S. and Canada and learning about their journey and how they positively impact their community. We are your hosts, Malik Abdussamad and Anwar Gibran. Our guest today is Salma Ghanem, Provost at DePaul University. Welcome, Professor Salma, to the, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a Absolutely. pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. So, a, a long journey between, you know, growing up in Egypt to become a provost at, at DePaul University. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, when did you leave Egypt? You know, I know you grew up there, went to school there, and how was that journey of immigration for you? Okay, well, it, this is going to show you how old I am, because I left Egypt in 1981. Uh, I grew up in Cairo. Uh, I finished high school as well as some college while I was in Egypt. Uh, I got married, I got married young, my choice, uh, and I had a child, and then I dropped out of college. And uh, my ex-husband and I decided to immigrate in 1981, and we came to New York. So I grew up very much in an environment with college professors, as well as an international environment. And the reason I say an international environment is my mother is Dutch. So I grew up in Egypt with an Egyptian father and a Dutch mother. And I really, that was very helpful for me to see what unites the different parts of the world. It's not that different. But education was paramount. Money wasn't. We didn't have much money at all. My dad was one of those uh, very ethical politicians. And uh, so we didn't have the money. And he actually told me, don't ever worry about money or your life is going to be miserable. Focus on your education. So when I dropped out of college, I really felt that I let him down, even though he had passed away. And I said, I promise I will get my PhD. So that's what started it. And uh, I was able to, after moving to New York for a while, then moving to Texas and so on, eventually get my bachelor's get my master's and get my PhD. In between all of this, I was working, I had another child, but it was always that, that goal. I am going to get my PhD. And I dedicated my dissertation to the memory of my dad. I started teaching in Texas, in South Texas at the University of Texas Pan American, which is a university right on the border with Mexico. So it was really excellent because I moved from New York, then to Texas. I lived in central Texas where I went to for my PhD at UT Austin. Then I moved to South Texas and it really got to open up my eyes in terms of the immigrant uh, population, whether it's in New York, whether it's Texas on the border with Mexico. And the one thing I can say about higher ed is I never felt like an outsider. Uh, it's the one area, at least for me, where I didn't feel as an immigrant. You're welcome. It is all about education, regardless of who you are, where you come from, because the value of it, the education, um, I think is what unites everybody, and that becomes a community. Then. I applied for a position at Central Michigan University as Dean of the College of Communication and Fine Arts. And bingo, I get an interview. And then bingo, I get the uh, job offer. So 
I really had to think, is this what I want to do? Do I really want to move into administration and uh, into that capacity? And I said, yep, I'm going to do it. So we moved to Michigan. I stayed at Central Michigan University for about five years. Uh, my daughter by that time, the one I told you about that we came as a baby, was living in Chicago. So I kind of had my eye on Chicago and my eye on DePaul in particular. Don't ask me why, but every time I'd visit Chicago and I'd see the signs for DePaul, I go, I want to be there. And uh, so I kept my eyes open, a position opened up for Dean of the College of Communication in Chicago. So I put in an application and bingo, I got an interview. <laughs> bingo, I got the offer. At that time, I had also applied to another university in Illinois as provost, and I got that one as well. But I really wanted Chicago, and I wanted to be close to my daughter, and I wanted, I really liked what DePaul stood for. Uh, DePaul is a Catholic institution, but it is really an institution that welcomes everybody. It is, it was established to serve the immigrant population that wasn't allowed to go to other schools. So it, it is one of the first schools, even though it's a Catholic school, that admitted Jews uh, because there was a quota for other universities of how many Jews it can let in. So that has been kind of the motto of DePaul is inclusivity depending on who's the recent immigrant. So when it was started, it was a lot of the Catholic and Jewish immigrants. And now it is welcoming to all immigrants, all religions, and all non-religions as well, because it basically believes in the dignity of every human being. So how can you refuse to work at a place that genuinely uh, believes that? So I started at DePaul. And you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. Uh, I was very glad I came to Chicago, loved Chicago. It was good to be in a big city again. I mean, Cairo, New York, South Texas, Michigan. <laughs> it was nice to be back in an urban environment because of the diversity right, uh, and the excitement of it. But um, sadly, a couple of years after I moved here, my son-in-law passed away. So uh, my daughter became a widow at the age of 38. Oh my goodness, oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, with three little children. They were ages two, four, and six at the time. And I felt truly blessed that I was able to be here to be able to help her. So what you have to do is you have to look at the silver lining, um, even in under horrible circumstances. Right. So moving on, I was Dean of the College of Communication, loved my job. Unfortunately, the provost at the time, and the provost is the chief academic officer, uh, got sick and had to take a medical leave. So then they asked me if I would be willing to step in until he recovers and comes back. Luckily, he recovered, but he decided not to come back. <laughs> so they asked me if I would stay in that. Uh, position for a while and here I am talking to you that, that's really like a, a, an exciting journey um, for you and you lived in many multicultural cities like from Cairo to being in New York to Chicago to being in South Texas um, you know other than family what do you think is, is really unique about Chicago you know as an immigrant 
for you to choose to be here and make it your your home of choice basically um what's wonderful about being in an urban environment is it it's vibrant and you the diversity that it provides not only for immigrants from egypt or immigrants from the middle east you are enriched when you talk to people from all over the world whether they're from the us recently coming to the us have been here for a while hearing different languages um it's it's i find that fascinating to have a show like yours uh in the middle of chicago that's wonderful to be able to go to a, a film festival that has uh movies from different countries around the world so i like to believe that i'm a citizen of the world and chicago offers you that vibrancy so it's not one culture being better than the other not at all it's a matter of we can all learn together we can value uh the similarities and also really appreciate the differences uh, i have to admit also the food in chicago is pretty good <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with all this arab community here there's plenty of, of restaurants and i mean even beyond the arab community there's really rich restaurant scene here uh to you now um as you mentioned uh, since you were young you had this vision and goal that that I want to be a professor I want to earn my phd uh how essential do you think to to somebody immigrating from the arab world coming to the us to have this clear vision on what they want to do versus they want to come for an opportunity they want to uh, try different stuff but they're still motivated do you uh, do you recommend one over another or do you think both are viable uh, both are viable because even though i knew i wanted my college degree i switched majors four times as an undergrad okay so so you have to be open i started off as a physics major i used to be uh, uh when i was doing my uh, high school exams i was in the science and math direction so i i started in physics switched to economics switched to business and then landed in communication and and loved it absolutely loved it i didn't know about communication when i started so i think it is very uh, important to to have goals but to be willing to explore possibilities along the way and i think the most important thing is to be willing to put uh, to take a risk it you have to be willing to apply and put yourself out there if you don't apply for something whatever it might be then for sure you're never going to get it but i think you have to um to do that so depending on the goals um you still want to make sure you're attaining something but it doesn't mean you won't zigzag along the way or the goal might shift depending on circumstance but i think the most important thing is education and we know that in the middle east for those of us who grew up in the middle east we had a great education i mean guys we studied hard and we know what hard work is all about i found that high school back in egypt was tougher than anything i've ever done 
So I think if you can maintain that, that work ethic um, and as well as a sense of pride from where you come from, uh, but in the same time, understand that you've got to work hard. Nothing's going to be handed to you in the U.S. Uh, but if you, if, if you give it your best shot, sometimes you will fail, but ultimately, I do believe you will succeed. Absolutely. You know, I, I, we can really connect with, with what you're saying is we studied really, really hard. The curriculum was really tough. There was like no module. We used to do hours and hours. I mean, we tell our American friends we used to do 14 hours of studying a day and they think we're, yeah. we're crazy. So like in, in our experience, the toughest part about immigrating here wasn't really how hard of a work do we need to do, but rather how can we adapt and to the new way of life and how can we, you know, kind of like get into the new community, get into the new system. So like in, in your experience, how, how was it for you to adapt into the American system and to get into it and then just embrace it and live with it? It, it, I, I can't say it was always easy. There were times where we said, nah, shall we go back? Um, you know, the, the, you miss the sense of community. You miss the familiarity. When you immigrate, everything is new. And you're cut off from your history. Um, so you have to always be explaining um, where you're coming from, or you have to explain that you studied 14 hours a day. It doesn't, so it does require um, more effort on your part. And you have to realize that's going to happen. But it happens actually not only when you immigrate from one country to the other, it happens every time you move, even within the United States. So I think it is important to have to rely on your own resources. You, you, you don't have all, uh, for la uh, you don't have the shilla that you had back home. You, you don't have uh, where you can call your friends and drop by at any time and, and they would welcome you. You're not going to get that. But you start forming these communities among uh, people that you start selecting and you will have some of, uh, some of that. But it's not going to be, I have to uh, admit, it's not going to be uh, the same feeling like when you go back home and you all go hang out uh, somewhere. And that's always going to be uh, missing. You can recreate some of it, uh, but you have to realize that, no, there are times you're going to feel lonely. Uh, and that's okay. That gives you strength. It gives you uh, fortitude. And I think it's also important um, not to be judgmental. Just because we had a different sense of community, that doesn't necessarily mean it was better. That was ours. You can create it. I mean, one of the things a friend of mine from uh, Egypt told me, she goes, well, you always have people over at, at your place in Chicago, well, pre-COVID. Um, and I used to, I used to have lots of dinner parties and I will cook and, and I mean, every American I know has tried molokhe. <laughs> and they all love it. Yes. But it has to be my initiative to say, do you like to come over for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. They love it, they have a good time. It's not always 
reciprocated, but it's not personal. It is, they don't normally entertain. We entertain. We like to do it. Let's show them Middle Eastern hospitality without expecting that it has to be returned. We're not doing it for an invite. We're doing it because we really enjoy uh, the hospitality. What do you think for, or let's say, what, uh, what traits and what, what characteristic um, you believe that, uh, uh, that as an Arab immigrant, as an Arab community, uh, we aspire uh, uh, to be successful in our uh, uh, professional career. And, and a lot of uh, the young Arabs, they, they aspire to be leaders in their, in their career, in their communities. What do you think the traits and the, the mindset that they need to have uh, to be successful as leader. And, and if I may add to this, also as a woman, you know, breaking all the gender barriers yes. to taking a leadership position. So you're, you know, multi-levels of, 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 of barriers that you have to break as an immigrant as a, and as a woman to become a leader in, in such a big institution as the Paul. Well, thank you. I, I would say integrity. Um, and base your decisions on principle, not on how you can get ahead. Uh, if you're going to, and that's the lesson I really learned from my dad. Uh, my father, um, his name uh, was Ismail Ghanem, is known to this day, and he died many, many years ago. I'm not going to tell you when I was 16, which is only two years ago, but no. So he died uh, several decades ago. But to this day, he is known in Egypt as one of the most ethical people that Egypt has seen. And, and I think you really have to base your decisions on ethics, integrity, and principle. If, if you're going to be making your decisions at a university institution on what's good for you or where you're going to go on the next step, I, I don't believe you're going to make the right decision. Um, so I would say just maintain your ethics. People might not be happy with you. And let me tell you, in this position, I have a lot of people uh, uh, who sometimes are not happy with the decisions I make, because especially with COVID, I can tell you with every decision we've made on COVID, I have 166 different opinions on how we should have handled something. The point is, know what your principles are, base it on that, but also listen to other people. Uh, if somebody provides you with an argument or a rationale on a better course of action, don't think that you can't do that because it will uh, weaken you. Not at all. Be consultative. Also be kind. Um, and here is uh, talk about gender. Some people confuse being kind with being weak. It's, you can listen with empathy, you can um, be kind to people, but that doesn't mean that you're weak. Uh, and that's where I think maybe part of the gender comes in is the, the idea, oh, a woman has to smile more, she has to be kinder. But I think those are good traits. Listen to what other people have to say, 
But then you also have to make sometimes the tough, uh, the tough decisions. And I try. Uh, whenever I do get criticized or I get uh, pushback, that it's not against Salma, it's against the position. So you have to isolate yourself. It's not always easy, <laughs> but that's why I do believe also it's important uh, to take care of yourself. So I work out every morning and that I find is extremely helpful to be able to, uh, to, to deal with uh, the various things. And as you said, it, it is not an easy position, but it's an exciting position if you're willing to let other people be part of that circle. And, and I can think of another, uh, of a better place to work than at a university. You're, you're changing lives, you're working with such smart people, whether it's it's students or staff or faculty. Uh, it's a dream come true, yeah. but it's a difficult. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually love what you said about, you know, kind of separating, not taking things personally, separating the position from the person. Because as immigrants, we often find ourselves in a position in hard times when you start to victimize yourself a little bit and say, am I being treated this way because I'm an immigrant? Am I being treated this way because I'm... And then you're like, okay, I got to be a little bit more rational and this is sometimes it happens but oftentimes yeah. it's not oftentimes it's not personal it's really about my job and and I think you bring up something very very good um, you make a very good point it might be because you're an immigrant it might be because I'm a woman but you don't know and you cannot use that as a scapegoat um, the, you, you have to have the inner strength to say it's possible, but you also have to allow yourself to think it's possible it's not. And you have to be self-reflective. So if somebody is being critical, maybe you didn't do it right. And I think that's the problem with sometimes the victimizing is the victimization of yourself is you don't become introspective. Now, does that mean stereotyping and prejudice doesn't exist? Yes, they do exist. But all that I would say is to every immigrant, hold your head up high and be it. If there are bigots out there, all you can do is be your best self, try to educate them, if the opportunity arises, and you know what, it's their loss. So here in Chicago, as you know, being from uh, uh, Egypt as an immigrant, uh, how do you think uh, about the Arab immigrant here? Uh, how they come together, especially uh, in these days of of a pandemic and uh, you know all this uh, political challenges, uh, the uh, the atmosphere in 2020 uh, uh, has been pretty challenging. Do you think being part of the community of, especially the Arab community here in Chicago, uh, would kind of uh, add a support uh, to you as a person, as an Arab here, as a professional? For me, the way I've selected my communities is not based on the ethnicity of the community. It's really 
I like to, uh, are based on the individuals. So if you two gentlemen uh, and I uh, get along and so on, yes, we, we will socialize. But I'm not going to only socialize because you're Middle Easterners. Does that uh, make sense? So do I have some Middle Eastern uh, friends and community? Sure. Do I enjoy being with them? Oh, I love it because we can make references where I don't have to explain things. And it's, sometimes it moves a lot uh, uh, faster or you, or you can throw a joke in there. I mean, I'm sure you've tried to translate some Arabic jokes and it just doesn't work. It never works. <laughs> never works. So it's nice to have that uh, exchange. 2020 has been a rough year, but it has not only been a rough year on immigrants. It has been a rough year on everybody, uh, whether it's the, um, uh, the pandemic, the race relations. I think that hurt every one of us to see what is happening. I mean, we, we've, we've come to this country for a certain ideal and to see that ideal is, is, is broken or hasn't existed for certain groups within the US, that's very sad because we were sold a very different story. Um, then, you know, the, the, the election and how divided the country has been. Um, it's, it's been a rough year, but as I tell um, the faculty at DePaul, I said, during tough times, be kind, not, to other, or not only to others, but be kind to yourself. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that comment, actually. Um, it's really important in these days. And, and just looking back at your journey, I mean, you've, you've been to many places, many institutions, many cities, and you feel like you've been carrying your mission all these years. And if you look forward, where do you think your mission is headed in the next 5, 10, 20 years? You know, I, I get asked that question, so what's your next step? I don't think about it for me is I'm going to do the best job I can in and be present in what I'm doing. Uh, I love what I'm doing. I love where I am. It's not always about jumping to the next one. It's really about pausing and appreciating where you're at. That being said, you can still, if an opportunity comes, look at it. But, but uh, okay, let me see if I can say this in Arabic. Al-Qana'a. Kinzen. la. There's something. But basically, you have to be, I have to be konwa. I have to be appreciative of what I have at the time. And I feel very, very uh, fortunate. So if this is my last uh, position, great. It's more than I ever thought I would be. Uh, if something else comes along the way, if I go back and stop being an administrator and go back to being a faculty member, that's beautiful as well. So long as you're achieving your mission and leaving a positive impact on, on your surrounding community, right? Exactly. And I'm working in a field that for me means a lot. And the field I care about is the field of education. Right. Uh, it, and it doesn't matter who I'm educating. 
everybody is welcome to be. Now, I, I really love your approach about it because we often, like, even within the community, we often feel like we're under social pressure to be jumping and doing better and moving to the next thing. And I love your approach about it of like, you know, be, be your best self, position yourself properly and, and opportunity get will the best uh, out of get, get the best out of right where now. you are, be, be present. We, we often are like too focused on the future to enjoy where we are now. And then we end up not, not living the life that we're, we're actually going through right now. You know, and, and I, I really learned that from uh, back to my dad. Uh, I told you he was secretary of higher ed. He was also secretary of culture. He stepped down. Nobody asked him to step down. And I asked him, how come? You know, that's, that's the biggie. That's the one you want to go. He goes, because I like being a college professor. It takes courage sometimes to say no to the next step. If, and, and I think you have to look at your life as a balance. How do you want to balance it? It's not all about work. It's work and family and and friends and the community you live in and what do you enjoy doing so i think it's very important to be introspective and to ask yourself am i doing this because of social pressure or am i doing it because i believe i want to do it and there's nothing wrong with achieving if that's really what you want to do uh, but those who are pressuring you to do something they're not going to be there when you're miserable in the next job. As long as you follow your passion and you're passionate about it. Um, I guess there's this saying, I'm trying now to remember who, who said it, but uh, the best investment you can do is education. So, um, uh, uh, but, but, but it's a pretty famous one. I think it kind of reflects uh, on our conversation and it stands true all the time, investing in in learning and 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 educating yourself uh that's uh that's a great goal to have uh, uh i think my final uh my final question is uh for uh, you know your uh, your message uh, uh to uh, to arabs and uh, and to uh, to the community here in in terms of uh, uh, going for their passion and focusing on their education. Uh, 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 your your final message to the community uh, that you know is, is going to be watching the show. I would say, and I, I'm going to put it on the Egyptian perspective just for a moment. We build the pyramids. We can build anything we want to build. Yeah, absolutely. We really love the conversation. Yeah. I think really inspiring, and and I feel like a lot of a lot of us as immigrants will definitely connect with, with a lot of the, the conversation points that we'll be talking about. So thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you guys. Best of luck with, with your show. And if I can be of any assistance, let me know. Absolutely. I would love, would love to meet in person after all this craziness is, is gone, over. Let's right? definitely do that. I, I, I want to I try that. <laughs> it's a deal. All right, sounds good. It's the Egyptian Molochea, not the Lebanese Molochea. I'd love to try it. I'd love to try it. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, Have a guys. good one. Bye-bye. Right, Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website to vote for your favorite story. And don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Together we feel